Hi, this is Alan Hauser. This is Josh Broughton. And I'm Brian Davenport. Coming up on this episode, the best tips for podcasting with Squarespace, the most useful Squarespace CSS resources, and a little V6 speculation. So stick around as we unwrap a three-stage bomb pop of content, structure, and style. Before we get started on this week's awesome show, I just wanted to add a little plug for this survey that I put together. I'm asking all Squarespace users, anybody who uses Squarespace, develops for Squarespace, knows about Squarespace, want to see if I can get everybody to add their thoughts about the platform and the community so I can write some blog posts, share share what everybody says with everybody, and just, uh, I think it would be kind of neat. So if you have two to five minutes, bigpictureweb.com slash survey, that would be great bigpictureweb.com slash survey appreciate it very much that was a long sentence yeah one more one more time that's bigpictureweb.com slash survey bigpictureweb.com slash survey that's right or bit.ly forward slash i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) i guess i guess short urls don't work in an audio podcast as well as english is good Uh, okay I think our show is becoming just questions. I mean, I guess we don't have to say this is a Q&A episode because we get a lot of questions and they're great questions. This one comes from uh, Anthony, Anthony Price, actually, but he didn't put his last name. Sorry. We sorry, anonymized him. Sorry. Yes. We're so sorry. Oh, sorry. Maybe he didn't want people to know. Anthony writes, Hi. I wanted to use Squarespace to host a site and a podcast, but the max uploads are 20 megabytes. Major bummer. What other services can I use to host the podcast? Um, well, actually, there's actually... Um, if you're paying for a Squarespace site, which he obviously is, he's probably not looking to fork out some more cash for hosting um, podcasts. So if you want a free solution, you can actually go to um, archive.org, which is basically a nonprofit organization that's trying to archive the entire internet. So they'll actually host your podcast, give you an RSS feed, all for free, because just, they just want to archive it. So that's a free um, solution. I don't know if you guys any, have any more ideas. I'm pretty sure Alan does. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I currently have you know another, <coughs> another hosting company that I use, DreamHost. Uh, just for other projects that I'm still hosting, other things that are non Squarespacey, and that's like seven bucks a month. You know, something. That's not bad. No, it's 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 no, very it's cheap. pretty good hosting. Yeah. And it's, is it reliable? Is it? Yeah, is it, I've never had problems with it. Um, but I mean, so uh, uh, I've I've actually hosted several podcasts and even Tumblr podcast and Squarespace podcast. This one and. Um, all of those, I've 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 used DreamHost to kind of just host the audio when when available. Uh, but um, Tumblr's another one that that's a little tricky to do. But but you definitely have to keep your audio kind of separate. Um, yeah, I guess we could share some some headaches and some secrets with hosting podcasts on Squarespace. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So what do we, I mean, I know that there's, there's sometimes, uh, you don't use the standard integration with the, like the RSS enclosures and stuff like that. Do you, Alan, do you use something different for us involving a third party solution? Um, for, for ours, I actually, it was, it was, uh, fun to say the least, uh, because when Eric Anderson, uh, previous (laughs) co-host of the, this very show, um, we have actually done. This this would have been our third podcast that we've done together. So we've we're, we we really geek out on you know s- setting up podcasts and, and dealing with things quite anally. And um, the uh, when, when we when we started um, content structure and style, um, I went ahead and and had a feed burner feed. I actually took the Squarespace RSS to feed burner to kind of do a lot of tweaking on that feed, and then I submitted it to iTunes, and it was like oh. We should have just used Squarespace to do all this, and and going going back to iTunes and saying, no, sorry, here's our real RSS feed. Just use this. It it, it took uh, about two weeks to, to get that whole process turned around, and yeah. and it was quite a, it was it was a huge headache that was that was quite unnecessary. Um, but I guess long story short, I guess what what I would do is uh, if. If you're going to use a feed burner and submit that to iTunes, just just live with it. <laughs> um, but if you want to use Squarespace to to uh, to edit all of the RSS that that would be necessary that iTunes wants to see, you can do all that within Squarespace. Actually, there's a yeah. there, there's a whole area within the journal to uh, determine all all the meta information on that Squarespace. Yeah. And that's great they included. I actually um, I actually use FeedBurner for all the podcasts I've ever done because of that whole iTunes situation of having to switch your feed, right? right. If you have that FeedBurner feed associated with iTunes, you can go into your FeedBurner and edit the feed right in there. So iTunes just pays attention to that. You, you don't have to worry about like resubmitting your podcast or whatever if you change it up, <laughs> which is good. That's kind of cool. And now let me ask you guys, because this kind of feeds into another question that we have from, from Nathan Miller this week on tracking downloads with Squarespace. Uh, he says he maintains a sermon podcast for a local church, and they host their files on Squarespace. Hallelujah. He's- He's put a Flash-based player on their blog to play the files, and he has them subscribed to iTunes um, for the, through the Squarespace podcasting op- options. His problem, he doesn't know how to track the number of listens or downloads. So Squarespace gives him basic info, traffic, but yeah. um, but he doesn't know if it's listening to, to or if it's counting the iTunes downloads. So yeah. does does the feed burner way does that help to to increase the tracking there, or is that yeah. I, I don't say- know what solutions do we have for that? I'd say if you don't have the ability to manually edit your XML feed or something, or you're not, you don't have those level of tools, I'd say use FeedBurner because the great thing about FeedBurner when you mix with iTunes is the hardest, the the most difficult thing for any podcaster to deal with ever is trying to switch a feed in iTunes, like trying to get iTunes to use a different feed for their show if they change hosting providers or something like that. So um, if you're to use FeedBurner, you can actually edit the feed through FeedBurner. And uh, it's sort of like a ghost feed that iTunes pays attention to, which is, so, um, but then the problem is trying to migrate his current feed over to FeedBurner and have iTunes use his FeedBurner feed instead. Mm-hmm. That, that, would that help him track it though? Yeah, yes. Feed, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can track does all that subscriptions okay. and downloads and, and 
And yeah. like this, Josh, you can actually tie it into your Google Analytics as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've got it for like my regular blog stuff. I, it just fascinates me because it works for like my my regular RSS. I actually did a post about this and like what to use for for like for example the widgets. Like I always use my straight URLs because yeah. that way the links all show up appropriately and you get like the SEO juice passing through your site rather than to a feed proxy or feed burner proxy whatever. For podcasters, I see feed burner as almost like an insurance policy because like. Again, like switching your XML feed in iTunes is just murder. So, um, and if people aren't aware actually of this feature in FeedBurner, you can actually go into your FeedBurner uh, page, go to the, the feed you want to edit, and I don't know which button it is. There's a bunch of buttons at the top. But you can actually um, change the raw feed that FeedBurner is taking from. So again, you can swap out to a different feed without having to. What I was suggesting to Nathan is iTunes already has your Squarespace RSS, and that's working just fine. What what you can do is go ahead and take that same RSS feed over to FeedBurner and then create a new show, quote-unquote, um, like change the title a little bit, change a, l- a lot of the um, like the hosting information, the, the copyright information. Try and change as much as that meta information you can, and then take that FeedBurner RSS to iTunes, and sub- submit that one, and hopefully it won't look like a a dual feed. And, and and then what you can do is kind of let let it ride for a week or two, and then you can go in and and make a request to re- remove your Squarespace one if, if you want to do it that way. Um, huh. That's what I tried to do with with our um, CSS show, and um, actually it worked. And then we realized, eh, let's just <laughs> let's just let it go on 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 FeedBurner. It was fine. So yeah. Now there's actually um, a way in iTunes if you ha- if you do for people that do have control over their um, over their raw like their XML feed like they can go in and edit the XML if they want. Mm-hmm. There's actually a special little tag you can add to it to um, to not have to change the feed in iTunes and basically redirect it to another feed. Right. It's like a it's like a redirect to another feed. I forget what it is. I'll put it. I'll send a link in Skype so you can throw it in the show notes. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if you could get into the Squarespace XML though and and, yeah. and tweak their XML. So that was the issue that. Um, that it's kind of yeah, but just, just, just for people if they can right people yeah. it's that it's that bit right there i'll put the link to it all right i uh i put a post about how to rig your uh blog up into a uh, feed burner feed so the 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 oh the dog in the background oh, that's the podcasting dog. process works pretty similar there that's, so that's Ralph can the dog join can the jo- dog join the podcast that'd be great yeah. he probably wouldn't um talk so we're wrapping up. It sounds like we can use FeedBurner to track things. It's really nice. It can be a little hairy if you want to change existing XML feeds or uh, iTunes feeds, but can be worth it if you want to do your tracking. And uh, and archive.org for the hosting to avoid the 20 meg file limit. Is that is that our final answer? Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, there's there's probably other other quote unquote free hosting solutions of, of you know f- yeah. file sizes and things actually there's is another service for this stuff like this it's called podfeed.net I don't know if it's free or not I didn't get a chance to see pricing or anything but they do do podcast hosting as well there you go what did you just like randomly find it on Google and yeah. like just free. no no no, no. My, no when, I, when we were when we were when we were starting our podcast uh, someone told me about it but uh I'm gonna Google yeah I'm not sure how much it costs free podcast <laughs> oh man! Hosting. Well, tell me what I can recommend. Another thing to do, and this this is just kind of a a, a quick tip, is 
iTunes will will deliver audio, video, and other enclosures like PDFs. So um, on your yeah on on your church podcast, you can even. You know, if you have like a, a church bulletin or something like that, um, you can actually include that on on the RSS. And then, if you're not going to, uh, you know, publish an audio program that week, you can actually send out a PDF and it'll arrive on everyone's feed, which which is really cool. Um, That's actually really awesome. Yeah, you can you can do things like um, like let's say you have a biweekly show or something like that. So on on week one, you could do your audio. On week two, you could say coming up next week with some information on you know what's going on, where where to you know, ask questions, do things like that. I learned something new today. There you go. The more you know. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> do the Canadian jokes get old? Because I don't think they do. Have I told one American joke yet? I know. What, what's there to say? We're all about transparency down here. So question, the next question comes to us from our friend Jamie Britton. He's talking about CSS, and he wants to know about all the best places to learn CSS to put into his Squarespace website. Guys? Uh, to learn, so he's learning about CSS, like he's sort of a, a newbie at the CSS, right? <laughs> a little bit. I think, you know, for the purposes of like this discussion, it's like, are there snippets out there? Because I know a lot of people, they might not know a lot about CSS or they yeah, might yeah, know the basics, yeah. but they just want like chunks of code that do stuff. So I'm actually yeah, that, that's a big... When you're learning. That's the way to go when you're learning, too. Yeah, yeah. Ch- ch- chunks of stuff. I mean, uh, cssstricks.com. I mean... I mean, you know, that's a really good one. Um, you know, as far as websites go, I mean, I'm a real learner when I can sit down and watch a video. Um, so, so, so if I can do that online, lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com is, is a great resource. Um, I'm Googling another one because I can't remember the URL. Yeah. You know, I know there's uh, one specific to Squarespace. It's just code.squarespace.com. That's pretty neat. They've got a few that are nicely tagged in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, kind of all all there. So you can do, like, um, disabling picture gallery light boxes and setting specific widths on gallery thumbnail columns. I bet I've even done that one. Yeah. Um, think vitamin, or as as the Brits might say, think vitamin. Um, uh. If you go to membership.thinkvitamin.com, they have got a whole master class of uh, of cool courses. There, there's a CSS3 course, HTML5 mobile web applications course, responsive web design, design and development. I mean, this stuff stuff's really cool, and it's it's targeted to the absolute modern cutting edge web designer developer. Lynda.com does have a bunch, but it goes back five, six years even. So I guess, you know, if you want to get a lot of core CSS and learn a lot of like the roots of, of why we're using CSS, anywho, I guess I'm just kind of centered around video for some reason. There's um there's a few other like Squarespace particular ones that I've seen out there, like squaremods.com is out there. Of course, there's uh, squarecoach.com. Um, gosh, there's a couple other ones too, but they're kind of escaping me right now. But it's interesting how many kind of, you know, CSS specific resources that are out there that are really really good but then also css and squarespace uh that are that are pretty decent as well so mm-hmm. there's lots of options out there it sounds like for people to to use for these uh these code galleries here i can say just you know just like a tip for for me when when working in 
uh, Squarespace using CSS. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to work on one section, let's say I have a footer that's like a big sticky footer or something like that, and, and there's like mul- multiple columns w- within the footer, I will do all that stuff locally. You know, I mean, I mean because to go ahead and and just I'd agree of, with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're going to create that on on the fly in Squarespace, you I mean, I mean. First of all, that's that's like ninety nine percent custom CSS. So so I mean, it's going to be a, a very slow process to do because you're going to have to do something, hit save. Your your browser is going to refresh. So if you can do that in in the local, uh, you know, Dreamweaver or Coda, you know, what what whatever. Um, WYSIWYG editor, what have you, um, then, you know, you can go ahead and, and, and build those whole sections and then go ahead and just copy and paste all that information over to Squarespace, hit save, and then, you know, c- carry on from there and tweak, tweak for, you know, for, for, for the rest of it that way. Um, that's going to get you a lot further than, than just kind of staring at an empty CSS editing screen on Squarespace, certainly. Yeah, and there's actually a cool site called jsfiddle.net where basically oh, yeah. it gives you yeah it gives you three text areas. You can, you can uh, There's one for HTML, there's one for CSS, there's one for JavaScript, and I use it all the time because sometimes I don't always have those apps at hand. I'm, you know, somewhere else or something, and it allows you to, like, you know, on the fly write some HTML, write some CSS, or do some JavaScript and see it, like, update on the fly just like you're used to in Squarespace, which is it's a re- actually a really useful site. I'll put that in there so Josh can add it. Cool. It's, really, it's really useful. Nice. Um, so let me ask you guys this question. So when, when you guys are doing custom code and CSS, do you typically create your own divs and classes and elements, or do you kind of cr- modify uh, the existing HTML or XHTML structure that Squarespace has, or do you do a combination of both? Or how do you, how do, you do Okay, I'd say, all right. Yeah, I'd say about 50% of the stuff you see on my site is just stuff I've written myself from scratch, like yeah. the divs and everything. Take a menu, for instance. I'm going to start that probably in Squarespace and then, you know, use use the uh, Squarespace tools and, and, you know, kind of work that out. And then I realized that, that you know, I, I really want to do something a lot more advanced. So then I'll, you know, maybe it's like still a hybrid because there, there's, there's probably some, some elements that may still exist <laughs> on Squarespace. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all about taking a look at what you're doing and, and, and finding the best solution for it, whether that's using the existing IDs or classes that exist in Squarespace, or if you bring your, your own in, then, then you have to have a way to reference those in the HTML. So Yeah. And I think once you can really make the connection between hard-coding classes into div elements and adding them to the style editor, I think that's when crazy things can happen when you're designing websites. Crazy! Crazy things! That's some really insightful tips for Jamie there, guys. Thanks for your coterie knowledge there. Coterie knowledge. Ugh. If you want to advertise on content structure and style, we encourage contacting us for more information. Since we don't have a sponsor yet. Hi, this is Alan Hauser, co-host of Content Structure and Style. When I'm not making myself sound like an ass behind the microphone, I spend my days and nights making your business not look like an ass for designing your own website. Leave it to the pros at Creative Component. Stop by our Squarespace storefront at squareflare.com and give us a shout. All right. 
right. So question number four, Shane Boyce, our friend Shane Boyce uh, from GetBoyce.com. He, yeah, he, uh, he writes in, is there anything that you would think will be in V6 that may come as a surprise to the community? Oh. Maybe it's a killer feature that's not being discussed, but will it be great? Yes. Squarespace is often being compared to Apple, and Apple's great about gauging the future and bringing products to market before the public finds them necessary. That's a good point. I'm wondering if you think anything like that will come from Squarespace in V6. Boy, that's an excellent question, Shane. And it, it's like what happened. We have two two guys that can't say a damn thing about it. <laughs> Actually, the part that we just edited out, the part that's right now for sale on eBay, uh, if you want to bid on that, you can hear everything about Squarespace version 6. Yeah, unfortunately, these guys uh, can't say anything about it, so we decided that we, we might just avoid talking about this type of thing on the show for now. But we've got a plenty. But next week, we will. Right. Yes, next next week we'll talk all about mm-hmm. version six and every everything in there. Yeah. So guys, can you can you can you maybe give a few details about why we're so mums the word with with V six features? Well, Squarespace recently got an investment of what thirty seven million dollars. He's gonna read a blog post. He's and as Al, no, as Alan said, two million went to V six development. Thirty five million went to like legal fees. Right? <laughs> Probably <laughs> for whoever Secrets. says anything about it. That's where Secrets. the rest of the money's going. <laughs> Secret agents, they'll come to your house. So what I've seen is that there's there's a couple folks out there that have been handpicked, selected, maybe leaking a little bit, that they've been alpha testing. I saw that uh, verbatim on the forums of V6, and the, the future is bright. But unfortunately, you guys can't say anything about it. So appreciate appreciate your question, Shane. But we look forward to talking about anything as it becomes uh, available um, and appropriate to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, hey, how about next week? Let's discuss a little bit of website management under the hood of of V5, talking about a little bit of the structure, architecture, website settings area. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I think people would like that. And if you have other questions, please send those in as well. One, three, one, two. Thanks for listening to another episode of Content Structure and Style, the unofficial Squarespace podcast. Submit your questions online at contentstructurestyle.com and we'll answer them on the next show. The best questions on each episode. When a Squarespace... <laughs> see, I did it again. When Squarespace swag, such as stickers, t-shirts, or a Squarespace brand of moleskin notebook. This has been Alan Hauser. You can find me at creativecomponent.com and at Alan Hauser on Twitter. This is Josh Broughton. You can find me at bigpictureweb.com and at JL Broughton on Twitter. And this is Brandon Davenport of okgeek.com. You can find me on Twitter at it's Brandon D. Thanks, Thanks for listening to another pithy line here. Thanks for petting your Wookiee on content, structure, and style. (laughs) Wow. That's like taking out a wallet and looking at pictures. Everyone just did the same thing. (laughs) Can I see your Wookiee impression? It'd be like making a, a... turntable noise <laughs> see everyone does it <laughs> a rocket square space uh, I don't have a zipper on my t-shirt otherwise I would do that zipper 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 I got you covered onomatopoeia <laughs> <laughs>
All right. So question number four, Shane Boyce, our friend uh-huh. Shane Boyce uh, from GetBoyce.com. He, Boy cocky. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, okay. ShaneBoyce.com. Perfect. 